Oh, gee, Scoob, this is Shaggy. You're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. What's up? And I'm CBS. See, tonight we're doing episode number 174. And books we're going to be going over will be uh, Bigsby vs. Batman. Reverse that. Batman vs. Bigsby, A Wolf in Gotham, number one, from DC. He Who Fights with Monsters, from a Blaze Comics, also number one. And The Death of Doctor Strange, from Marvel, number one. And then we have an interview with artist Haman Red from the... Uh, 2021 Colorado Springs Comic Con. So we'll run that for you after the books. Uh, before all that, do a little bit of news. What's in the news? What's in the news? You got any news over there, Josh? So they teased um, the Black Adam from the upcoming Black Adam movie with The Rock uh, and the Hawkman helmet from the same movie um, recently. And the Hawkman looks pretty comic book accurate. So That's awesome. As is the Black Adam costume. So I didn't think that that wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, as far as things, the only things that were out before was, like, the weird animatic, which, I mean, it was, like, the costume, but it was just the design, so seeing the real thing is pretty cool. Uh, some set pictures from Expendables 4 have showed up on the internet, uh, showing off Jason Statham and uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, which, of course, makes sense, considering they're the franchise guys of that, that series of movies. Back in their berets. Yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool pictures. Uh, I don't know, I love the Expendables, so, I mean, I think that's awesome. So I'm super excited for that, actually. Uh, there's a little bit of stuff that came out from James Gunn. Uh, during a batch of interviews he did, uh, he's revealed that he's going to be working on a, another DC project after he finishes Guardians 3 and the Guardians Holiday Special, which are two different things. And it is not the Peacekeeper show that, he was talk- that he's talking about. So apparently he's going to have both the Guardians things, the, the Guardians 3 and then the Holiday Special, and Peacekeeper, and some other DC project that has not been announced as of yet, that is separate from the Peacekeeper thing. So, that's cool. I mean, the dude's done pretty good with everything else, so I think it'll be awesome. It'll be interesting to see what other project he's wanting to work on, you know? I think that's cool. Yeah. I mean, track record-wise, I mean, Suicide Squad 2, I liked a lot. Um, Guardians Galaxy stuff's been great, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that, whatever that... Mystery project is. Uh, Mark Hamill confirmed that the Force Awakens intro originally included Luke's severed hand floating through space. Ooh. Well, that's too bad. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, it's kind of a bummer. It could have been way cooler. I think all those movies could have been way cooler. For sure. Yeah, that's that's true. I liked them, but I mean, they could have been cooler, right? Um. Well, as far as comic book stuff. Um, the word is that Saga from Image Comics is going to finally be making its return to comic book stores and shelves. Uh, Brian K. Fawn announced, uh, that issue number 55 is scheduled to show up in stores on January 26th, 2022. So January this coming year, we should be back to doing Saga books, which, uh, the last one came out in 2018. So it's been a minute. Um, but him and Theona Staples apparently at this point are geared up to do stuff and they put a cover out even so you can see the new cover for 55 if you Google it. 
But yeah, so a return to that series, which if you if you were reading Saga before, the number 54, which has been the last book to happen for like the last two years, um, had a crazy cliffhanger ending. So apparently issue 55 is slated to be even more crazy, and they're saying that it's going to be a 44-page book instead of a 22-page book, but it will still be the same $3.99 price. So double your bang after waiting two and a half years. I think that's awesome. Um, the series is great. If you never read Saga, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic series. It's kind of like a, I don't know, like a Star Wars meets Lord of the Rings kind of. It's pretty cool. And Fiona Staples is the artist on it and she's just fantastic. So, um, it exists like in volumes, individual issues. Of course, they're super chasey because it's really popular, but, uh, you can buy an omnibus that has all 54 issues for like 60 bucks and one big, big book. So. Anyway, yeah, so you got till January before it starts again. A new look at the Munsters um, reboot from Rob Zombie's The Wardrobe is revealed that um, there's a clear reference, basically, of the Hot Rod Herman episode where Herman dresses up in, like, leather jacket and the cool oh, like, old-school cool. hat yeah. and the goggles when he races the the coffin car or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, as of right now, it seems like Rob Zombie's doing a pretty cool job. Well, that's cool. I mean, I don't know. He's done a pretty good job with a bunch of other stuff, so I think that's cool. Um, well, Netflix has dropped a trailer for Lock and Key Season 2. Um, that came out, I think, this last week. And uh, they have a date for it to be premiered as well, which is October 22nd. So here in like the next, depending on when you're listening to this, in the next two or three weeks, there'll be a new season of Lock and Key, which if you haven't seen that, it's awesome. Joe Hill's uh, the, the writer of the book, uh, comic book, the adaption to the show was cool too. Um, it's only got one season out, so the second season is a whole new batch of crazy. And, uh, if you have never seen any of it, I mean, Joe Hill is Stephen King's son, so that's his lineage, but he's awesome. Like, writer-wise, Lock and Key is really good. Um, and the show season, first one, first season was really good. Like, I liked it a lot. Um, a little bit more Netflix stuff. A trailer is also dropped for Sandman. So, uh, we get to see our first premiere. That was like a teaser trailer. It's like a teaser trailer, yeah. It's like a first set of events with a bunch of voiceover. That along with Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. And it's like a teaser. Both thing. look really cool. But Cowboy Bebop starts soon, soon. It does. Like next month. Yeah, Sandman still doesn't have a date for it, but, I mean, it's only a matter of time, right? I thought they said January. Uh, nothing I saw said that, but it doesn't mean it's not true. I don't have any dates that this is supposed to be happening, but apparently they are doing a relaunch of Babylon 5. That's according to the interview that this came from. It said it's a reboot from the ground up uh, for the CW network. Still being headed by J. Mark Straczynski, who wrote and made most of the original Babylon Five stuff. Uh, so he's listed currently as the writer on the series and uh, as executive producer. So uh, I guess we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, it's a return to Babylon Five with a whole new like start over. Um, I guess as best I can tell from the little interview that was about it. So if you like that stuff, I mean, Straczynski's a good writer, so I, if you like the first series, I'm sure you'll like the second series. I mean, CW is probably going to have a healthy, hefty batch of teen angst added to it, but that's their whole format, so... I didn't like it, to be honest. The Babylon 5? Mm-hmm. I only watched some of it. Like, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really... It came on at a weird hour, and I didn't really get to see a lot of it. I like Bruce Boxleitner. Like, I like that actor, but, I mean... Best I could tell you, this series will not have him involved in it, probably. Going back in time, speaking of Expendables 4, um, Megan Fox is going to be in that film. Did you know that? I did not know that. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I thought that was odd. A little bit. I mean, 
I don't know, movie accolades. I guess she's the Transformers for the first two, but for action stuff, you know? I guess the Jennifer Blood is kind of that way, too. Not Jennifer Blood, Jennifer's body. Jennifer's body, yeah. Jennifer Blood, different thing. It's about a lady assassin against the hitmen, or like gangsters, which actually is a brand new comic series that just started uh, last week. Yeah, she's not really known for like action movies, so. Okay. Alright, so I got one more piece. Uh, so Marvel is debuting their Hit Monkey series. Uh, it's gonna premiere on November 17th on Hulu. Uh, the show is listed to run 10 episodes. Uh, the trailer's out, looks cool. Um, it's about the monkey assassin from Marvel. And, uh, the voices that are attached to it is Jason Sudeikis, Olivia Munn, George Takai, and Fred Tadascore. And he's listed as Monkey. He's done a lot of voice acting stuff. Like, he's his IMDb is full of things he's done. Uh, but the trailer looks awesome. Jason Stakis is supposed to be the uh, field agent that enlists Monkey to do things. So, I think that's cool. Hitmonkey's awesome. Like, he doesn't have a whole lot of comic appearances. He got a miniseries, and he showed up in a batch of Deadpool books. But, uh, yeah, if you ever want to see a monkey in his suit shooting guns, it's awesome. So I think that's super cool. Uh, the fact it's on Hulu instead of on Disney Plus makes me think that the rating must land in a place that's a little more, I don't know, probably more brutal. I mean, it's about a monkey assassin, so. But the trailer's cool. I, I like those names, so. That's all I really got for news, man. Speaking of, um, there's two things that I will throw out there real quick before we get going on the books. Um, Jason Sudeikis, he's in Ted Lasso, which just had its season finale, season two finale this week. Yep, yep. And so if you want, if you're into that show and you're curious about it and you want to hear some in-depth talk about it, well, we're not going to do it on this one because it's not really comic booky, but uh, on our more pop culture movie podcast called Never Been Done, we're going to do that. The next episode of that will be about Ted Lasso. And if you're a little bit curious about the What If series, we did do a super long episode all on the What If series too. We kind of broke it down and went through episode by episode and talked about that on the most recent one that's already out. So the Never Been Done podcast, check that out. It's a little bit not not safe for work ears, not safe for work. The NSF is not safe. That's right. Yeah. NSFW. Yeah, it's not really safe for work. So yeah, might want to wear like headphones when you're listening to that one if you're worried about it. This one wasn't too ridiculous, but yeah, so both those, we'll, we'll do a little bit deep dive into those TV shows that were, that were both fantastic. So, um, and I think Olivia Munn and uh, Jason Stegas are no longer together. I think he's dating the, the chick for, that's the, the model that Keely from yeah, the he's dating her now. show. I don't know her real name, but that's a character name. She's yeah, awesome. I can't remember her name, but yeah, which is still weird, but I mean, that's cool. I mean, good for him. That's awesome. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I think uh, all those things are cool. Like Ted Lasso's first season was great. Second season, I mean, I haven't seen the end yet, but probably tonight is awesome. So yeah, if you haven't seen any of that show, you really should check it out because it's great. There you go. All right. Anything else for news? Mm-hmm. 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 All right. So I guess we'll move on into books. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Uh, so the first book we're doing is the uh, DC Black Label, Batman vs. Bigsby, A Wolf in Gotham. And this guy is written by uh, Bill Willingham, who is the uh, creator and writer of Fables also, and uh, the artist by uh, Brian Lavelle. So the series picks up, we open up in outside Gotham. Um, it's labeled as Chapter 1, Bat, Wolf, and Worm. 
there's a little like a appearance box that says three days before the incident and it's listed in Gotham. And uh we join Robin sitting up on a perch, like looking down on this uh I don't know, thug guy, and he's uh questioning him, he's like, How many are inside? And he's like, I I don't know, bird. Once I saw the mess I just got out of there as quick as I could. And he's like, why did you call us first? He's like, well, because the cops don't pay me to feed information to them. And you guys do. He's like, it's all about loyalty, you know? <laughs> Very, you know, paid thug style. Anyway, he's uh, he's like, yeah, money beats beats uh, loyalty any day. You know, you gotta live by a code. And so uh, off he goes, and uh, from there, Robin starts talking to Batman over the headsets. And he's he tells him, well, you know, at this point, we've already cleared the area. The scene hasn't been touched by anybody yet. We're the first ones on en route. And, and Batman drops down on top of a building next nearby. And he's like, understood. I'm going in alone. Secure the perimeter. And Robin's like, well, do you want to do it hard? Or do you want to do it soft and invisible? And Batman tells him, soft and invisible. You got to keep it all quiet. And like, as Robin's talking to Batman, we see upon this ledge above him, a dude perched there, you know, in a regular, like, white, sort of roughly, I don't know, it's like a white, regular white long sleeve shirt. And he's uh, smoking a cigarette and just basically hovering above where Robin's at watching him. And uh, Batman's like, making entrance. And he jumps down inside through this window and lands inside this uh, cleared out building. And Batman's like giving a report while he's doing it. It's almost like taking notes to himself. Or maybe he's talking to Robin. It's not really clear what the intent of that is. But it's like he's going over the steps you do when you investigate things. And once he's inside, he says, ah, it's a squatter's den. And uh, from there, we see him come down a flight of stairs, and it, it's just an old factory building that's no longer being used. And then eventually he gets to a dead body in the floor. And it is messy. Um, there's rats, the guy's shoes are off, there's all these bite marks on his arm, it's just a mess. And uh, Batman's like, he makes a comment about the smell, and it's like, it's days old. I can tell by the smell, and it's like, it, it's just crazy. And we see a couple close-ups, we see that one of the guy's hands has been removed, and it's all separated, and... He has crazy, like, bite marks on his face, and... Anyway, Batman starts investigating, he pulls out, a, like, a little measuring tool, and he's like, how oh, the bite radius, it, this is this isn't a normal size for any kind of animal. And, uh, from there, like, he sends more information out, and he talks about there, there being a second body on the ground floor, and he goes through this building. Uh, from there, we cut to across town, and we have a, uh, another factory that's a operating factory, lights are on, and inside there's a whole bunch of people having, like, a retirement party, there's this guy on the ledge wearing these glasses and a fedora, and he's he's addressing the crowd, and he talks about uh, how the main boss is leaving, and I hope he enjoys his uh, retirement. And if you had oh any, any information about what you're going to do with your entire your retirement, and the guy's like, I'm going to go someplace where there's no uh, Wi-Fi and no people, and I'm just going to take it be by myself. And like all these people are sitting in there, and they're you know they're kind of dressed like thugs and gangsters, like fifty style, you know. And inside the room, there's a whole bunch of books, and it looks like a crazy library. Anyway, so once they finish the conversation with that man, we, we return to another part of the library area, or the building. And uh, this dude walks up to him, and, and this is the same guy with the glasses and the hat, and he says, Oh, you hear Mr. Slaughter? Or Mr. Sorry, Mr. S- Mr. Slinger. Yeah, you've, I'm glad you joined the celebration. He's like, oh, I got I got to talk to you, boss. And he's like, oh... Uh, did everything go all right? Uh, did you find everything that we needed? And he's like, uh, this operation's out of hand. Like, we have to have a talk about Mr. Mr. Aston, which is the dude that's uh, basically retiring from the organization. And uh, he turns to the dude and he's like, oh, 
What am I, all of a sudden, the Joker? Aren't there any gentlemen in the uh, art of, of gangstering anymore? And uh, he's like, oh, we're all barbarians. How do you want to handle this? And he's like, have you found Mr. O- Mr. Oz- Osgard? And he's like, oh, yeah, he's prepared in the back room for you. And so we cut away from there. So basically the dude's like questioning him about his intent and the way he's handling things. But they've collected some fellow for him, which is that Osberg guy. And uh, we re- from there we rejoin Batman. And uh, Batman's been joined by, well, now there's two Robins there. It's Robin and then girl Robin, so spoiler. As far as time frame, I'm not really sure. It, it's because it's Black Label, it just lands wherever. But it's both on the roof with him, and he basically is giving him marching orders. Well, there's three different <clears throat> Robins. We get another one eventually, yeah. I think it's Tim and Damien and uh, Stephanie. All right. three are there. So, yeah, at this point, like... Batman tells him he has to go. He has to go look into some stuff, and Batman basically takes off and leaves the two of them to clean up the scene and wait for the cops to get there, and uh, you know make sure nothing happens to the scene while he's gone, until the police show up to do their investigation. So off Batman goes. Um, from there, we return to our crooks or our gangsters, and uh, the dude with the glasses has been is now in a room with uh, Mister Slaughter, and the fellow that got captured is all tied up to a chair. And he's basically talking to him and telling him, well, we want to know a lot of certain information. So if you answer our questions, this will go a lot easier for you. Because the fellow I'm here with, like, he likes to do cutting on people. It's a little more wordy than that. But so that's abridged. Anyhow, um, and the man, the guy's like, I don't know anything. I don't have any clue what you people want. And he's like, well, I guess we'll see how that goes. Um, I have other things to attend to, gentlemen. And uh, out he leaves. So that leaves the two of them alone. And our fellow takes off his tie and he puts on a... Uh, a butcher's uniform, pulls out a knife, and he informs him that they can go the easy way or the hard way, and uh, we see, you know, tear in the dude's face, and he's just like, I I have no idea what you guys want. I Don't do this. I have a wife and a young daughter. And uh, he's like, well, you, you're, you'll do well if you just, uh, you know, give us information we want. And if you can't do that, well, it's going to go very badly. And so we get a bunch of flashes of, like, the dude's normal, happy life, and he seems to be, like, a normal guy. And there's a photo of him and his family, him playing with the daughter, him with going to like a birthday party, and uh, pictures of him and his wife. In the middle of all that, we have our guy with the knife getting ready to cut on him. It's kind of crazy the way it moves. From there, we rejoin um, our fellow with the glasses, which must be the worm. That's the only thing that makes any sense. They don't actually name him in here. But because of the titling, he must be the worm. Uh, anyway, uh, he comes out into the hallway, and there's a lit woman there dressed in a red dress, you know, very like 50s sexy style, and she's like, were you alone in there with him? He's like, oh, well, it wasn't just me. It was me, it was me and, and Sl- Slinger. And she's like, that's exactly my point. You were alone with Slinger. You can't trust that guy. He's like, oh, you got any, you got some problems with Slinger? And she's like, yeah, he has no loyalty to anyone. He's the hired gun. And he's like, well, eh, he's he's loyal to a fault. And she's like, yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, anyway, the two of them talk a little bit more about what they're trying to find and uh, he imposed to her that he doesn't know if, if they've got any more information about the, this book they're looking for. She's like, well, I'll go check on one more lead, and off she goes. From there, we return to Batman. So we figure out the thing they're actually looking for is some kind of book. And apparently the man they've collected, who used to work at a library, was like, a li- had worked at the library, I think is what they said about him? He's supposed to have information about this book, maybe. From there, we cut to the bat signal shine on, up on the sky, and it says, two days before the incident. And uh, we join Batman, who's landed down on the roof, and there's Commissioner Gordon. And Commissioner Gordon's been joined by another lady detective type. Uh, we find out she's a lieutenant, who's a new lieutenant in the area. 
She's a uh, Molly Grace. She's a new transfer in. She's from the Wolf Homicides case. And Batman's, I don't know, they talk for a second about other incidents that are similar to the ones that have been happening in Gotham. And of course, Batman tells him, yeah, I'm already aware of this, you know, makes, makes mention of the size of the bite marks. And she's like, so you were there before all of us, right? Is that what it is? Of course, Batman doesn't respond to that because Batman. And they, they have a conversation about how she's been dealing with these problems with these bodies turning up. And while they look like wolf murders, certain things don't line up to make sense for a normal sized wolf or an animal attack at all. And of course, Batman just, you know, explains the same information that she had already found out and ties the two things together, kind of. When we get to Jim, Jim's like, this is the fourth wolf-related killing. Uh, the first one had multiple victims. And Batman's like, well, that's because this particular case, someone staged this. These murders didn't happen together. They're using the multiple murders to cover up what they're really doing. And he gives Jim a, a, a shrewd, like, Batman smile, which is kind of, I mean, it's pretty funny, but it's, you know, it, it's a little cheeky. He's like, so you're telling me that they're, they're using this to cover up the other... Like, how do you know that? He's like, because of the blood. He goes, well, if it's not human blood, then... Well, whose kind of blood is it? And uh, Batman, from there, he gives he gives a little more information than basically Batman's away, because that's what he does. Um, and Jim turns to uh, Molly, and she's like, well, it turns out there, there's a lot of questions that we have now. Like, how do you connect all these victims? One was a banker, and then one was a entrepreneur... Two of them were junkies. A couple of them were squatters. And she's like, there's no connection. And that's, uh, so Batman hasn't left yet. That's, that's what she says last. And then, uh, he's like, well, you have to go through the evidence and at some point they'll connect. And then that's when Batman basically Batman's away. So he leaves them to try to connect the dots from what he hasn't already found. Um, he does want to give you a sample of hair and he tells him that the sample of hair is way longer than it would be from a normal, normal wolf. So, Basically, what we're seeing is that whoever's doing this is either staging it, planning these wolf hairs that aren't aren't real wolf hairs because the length of them is incorrect, and some of the blood patterns don't make sense for a regular wolf. So they can't be real animals; it has to be something else. Um, anyway, so after all that happens, that's that's when we cut away from Batman and we rejoin um, who I think is the Worm, the guy with the glasses and the fedora. He's uh, in a room with the, the same lady from before, the, the woman he sent out to get more information. And uh, as they're talking, she asks, well, did you get the information that from Slaughter, did he collect what you needed? He's like, nope, he didn't have any information. And um, from there, he says, well, since questioning Gotham's most uh, most likely individuals has gotten us nowhere, we'll have to go ahead and do something a little more. And then uh, that's when he's swing over to, how do you say, what's the guy's name? Salinger? Salinger. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. The Butcher? The Butcher is Salinger. So do they knifed up the other guy? It's Salinger. That's the right name. Uh, anyway, so Salinger goes spectacular with a question mark. And we cut to the two of them facing each other in this uh, kind of a weird scene. But he's like, yeah, even though I hate spectacle. From there, we jump to Meanwhile. And we have our fellow that was watching Robin up on top of a building smoking a cigarette. And he does look a lot like Constantine. I mean, that's he, the hair is not right, but it look wise, they're similar. He uh, looks over at the Batman signal because he can see the bat signal on top of the roof from where he's at, and he's like, "Cute light." And at that point, Batman comes up and over the edge of the building, and he's like, "You, you've been doing this for you've been trying this for the past few days." And he comes at him like, you know, I'm gonna get answer style. And he's like, "Oh, that was impressive. I'm surprised you were able to find me." 
and Batman points and punches him in the face, and uh, the cigarette goes flying, and the dude's like, he basically just starts beating the dude up. Well, he's like, I I swore that I would never be um, surprised by somebody who wasn't who was just a human and not su- not supernatural, basically. And Batman like takes him down because surprise, surprise. If you're not if you don't know the, the fact that this book is called Batman versus Big B, it's Big B Wolf from Fables, right? And like that's what this whole book is about. And it's Big B Wolf, the detective, the main protagonist from the Fables comic book series, so. right? That's who this other guy is. It looks like Constantine. Uh, but yeah, it basically takes the two of them fighting, and he, Batman basically whoops him. And in the process of all that, Batman sprays him with a batch of, uh, like, this knockout pellet. He gassed him. Yeah. And we see him, you know, it's a pretty cool scene where we see him, like, fighting the gas, and then he basically blacks out because of it. Uh, from there, we cut to one day before the incident, is what it says. And we have Bigby waking up, and he finds himself shackled inside the Batcave. We see a shot of the dinosaur, the computer screen, and the Batcar. And he's like, you got to be kidding me. And that's where the book wraps for the first issue. So basically, Batman whooped him and then captured him. Right. Which is impressive, considering. But it's still Batman, so it makes sense. Right. I mean, that's pretty abridged and rough version of that book. So I'm sorry well, about it's, that. Well, it's not that it's... It's not even that. It's the fact that the book's kind of hard to follow. Like, it's kind of... Yeah, it, it flows is. It flows kind of funky. It's book one of six. Um, it's kind of DC's way of reintroducing the Fables characters little by little before, like, the... Um, they come back next year, May 2022, is when Fables 151 will be back. Right. And so, uh, the guys that are writing and doing it, like, Willingham, like... It's the same people doing this book. Yeah, like, they're... I think they were doing Mr. Miracle, too. They're saying that they were... Or they're going to work on Mr. Miracle, but, like, they're going to do Fables. For, so, I don't know what, like, the connection with that is when I was reading huh. information on this book. Well, there was... A, there's a Mr. Miracle book that's just getting ready to end that's dealing with uh, Shiloh Norman. I guess I don't remember who's working on it, so I, I don't... I don't know that, but there was a previous... So, there's been a couple of Mr. Miracle books. There's one done on Tom King that wrapped up, I don't know, maybe six or seven months ago. Hmm. There's the current one with Shiloh Norman... So they might be working on that, I guess. I just don't remember who's working on that book. Yeah, I'm not sure. I just what they're. Uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's going to be a six part series. Uh, like we, I thought that like the guy's name, like the bad, the main bad guy, like the gangster kind of with the glasses. Yeah, he like, kind of looks like the gray ghost a little bit. But he like, does. But he like I thought his name was Spectacle, but he just at one point says, "I don't like a spectacle," or "I don't like spectacle." Like yeah. He doesn't say like ace. He just says like I don't like spectacle. It's weird. To and so I was like, oh, okay. And so anyway, but yeah, I mean, the, I I think overall, like I I liked the art. It wasn't too bad. I think they kind of split it up. I think it's two different. It is. There's a couple different people on it. And like some of the art, I like, and some of it, I'm like, it gets kind of funky at points. But I mean, overall, I liked the art more than I liked the flow of the story. I thought the story flow was kind of weird, and they do introduce it like the like the new like lieutenant female character that only Grace. Yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. sure where she's gonna fit into the whole thing. So I kind of wonder if maybe she'll be a character in the Fable stories. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Because I don't. I never really read Fables. Not really. I mean, I saw a lot of the books, and remember the art covers being awesome, but I never really read a whole lot of Fables. Um, I did read part of that Wolf Among Us story, but I didn't read all of it, and I never really played the game, so I don't. I don't know a lot about Fable stuff at all. Not really. I mean, other than it being, you know, Fable stories rewrapped into the different package. So, as much as you can know about that without having read enough of the books, really. So, I don't know if she's a character that existed before or not. I mean, she might be, but I don't know enough to know that. 
I mean, overall, I give it a two. Score wise, yeah, yeah. I mean, I give it, I give it a two and a half because I like how we used different Robins, and I like how how the, all that stuff, the introduction wise, was in there. I do like the art, but yeah, it does move a little. It does move weird the way it's written, the way it's put together. It moves strange. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's going to be a hallmark of the book or if that's you know a normal thing for fable stuff or not because it might be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I give it two and a half. I'm probably going to read the next one just to see how it works, but I guess we'll see from there. You know what I mean? Being a mini series, I guess we'll see. All right. Well, from there we'll move on to the, uh, he who fights with monsters, um, by, from a blaze comics. This is issue number one, the, and it's called the trial of Radic Molnar. It's written by Francesco Artabani, and the art is by Werther Del Adera. And this book kind of takes place in, like, two different time periods. Um, it starts out um, Prague, summer 1945, in Czechoslovakia. I think it was Czechoslovakia then. I don't think... I mean, I don't... They went from the Czech Republic and Slovakia, and then they went Czechoslovakia, and then they went back, I think, or maybe. I'd have to look. It might have just been Czechoslovakia at the time, but it's important to this book because... This book picks up at the end of World War II, and as the Germans, like, who had not just the Nazis, but Germans as well, who lived in other countries and, like, had, had escaped German, Germany themselves, because not everybody agreed with, the, like, the Nazi, um, regime. And right. so, like, a lot of Germans left Germany and, and had moved on. And a lot of the, after the world, the war was over, a lot of, which was cool about this book, before I get into a little, little bit of history, um, this is kind of a, of historical fiction is what this book is basically. Right. The, the, the Czech people, um, more than most countries, but as the Germans were leaving and not to leaving, going back to Germany, um, a lot of the people who lived in those countries were very angry at them and they treated them super terribly as they're basically forcing them back to Germany. And even people who lived in those countries who were German, they're like, get out of our country. We don't want your people here to treat them as, as a lot of other peoples have been treated by the Germans. But the Czech people, were actually known for being very like the the um the police and things like that were very like it wasn't that they just looked the other way they were actually like yeah let's like this beat these Germans up and so this starts out with like just some some Czech thugs um harassing a, a German family and like had spray painted swastikas on them and they're like messing with the kids and uh, like get back to, go back to Berlin and may hell swallow you up and they're like yeah yeah run off like rabbits. And they're like, but she's going to stay here with us. And it's the daughter of from the German family. And she's like, Dad, no. And there's like, please, for pity's sake, don't, you know, don't hurt her. And like, pity, you're a German. What do you know about pity? And all of a sudden, the Russian soldier like sh- fires his gun in the air. And everybody's kind of shocked. And he's like, let her go or I'll get you with the next shot. He's like, calm down, Russian. It's all right. They're just Germans. They're enemies. He's like, do, you, do they look like enemies to you? And the Czech guy is like, Say, whose side are you on? He's like, why don't you find out yourself? I gave you an order, and I will not repeat myself. Let go of the girl. Take your buddies and with you and get lost. And so the guy's basically just being like, because the Russians, like, you know, the Russians and then, like, the the allies met kind of in the middle. And right, so the, in the process of the battle. Uh, yeah. In the process of the war, yeah. So um, the Russians were on one side, and they were the ones that actually got to Berlin first. But, uh. So as he, and he as he tells the uh, family, like, go on, get out of here, and grab your stuff before there's any more problems. And uh, he's like, but where will we go? He's like, back to where you came from, I guess, if you can. The city's not yours anymore. Nothing belongs to you here. 
He's like, but good luck. And then in the corner of your eye, you see some like little, like this little, like little withered snaky kind of guy. And he's, and, uh, that's, that lives there. And he's like, Oh, you speak my, my language well, soldier. And he's like, I studied at the university. He's like, wonderful. So, uh, you understand every word. Follow me. No one listens to me anymore, but Glonex puppets have a story to tell. And I guess the weird guy's name is Glonex. He's, like, he's very worm tongue like. Yeah. Bald head. Like really. Yeah. I mean, not worm tongue. I, you know, he's, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's Uncle Fester more than anything. Oh, well, his looks like Uncle Fester, yeah. But uh, he's like, puppets, he's like, that, that takes guts these days, old man. Your optimism deserves a few coins. He's like, no, I don't want your charity. I only want you to listen. This is not a fairy tale. It's a true story, a story of terror and wonder. And they will tell you, they will tell you it never happened, but I saw it with my own eyes. And, and uh, He's like, here we go. And like the soldier walks up and watches as this man start to tell the story. He said, there was once a man. And then it flashes to three years earlier. And uh, this is when the, the actual story takes place. And the first part of it was like, not black and white, but like the colors were a lot more. Um, They're muted. A lot more muted. Yeah. yeah. There's more like gray tones and stuff. But this one, a lot more co- colorful as he starts to tell the story. And it's a German occupied Prague, and uh, as a man's walking down the street, and uh, some German soldiers cruise by and like run up to him, and he's like, "Come on, come on, block out every way out!" And like somebody crashes out of a window, and you see it's a little boy, and he's running down the street, and he's like, "He's fleeing! Stop him!" And like the the mother yells, "He didn't do anything, Pavel!" And he's like, "The the German soldiers just shoot the kid dead in the street, and he dies right there." And the guy that was walking down the street watches the whole thing happen. And the, and the German soldier, the Nazi soldiers, like, they're like, he's dead, sir. He's like, all right. He's like, take, take his family to the ward or our, our dear doctor will be glad to take care of them. He always finds a way to make people talk. And then one of the soldiers, like, hey, you come here. And he's like, no, don't shoot. I'm, I'm a doctor. Don't shoot. And he's like, isn't it a bit late to wander around? Where's your papers? And the guy that was walking down the street and watched the whole thing go down, he's like, I, I had an emergency call from, from lawyer Reichert. His wife just gave birth, but it was a long and difficult labor. So he's like, like soldiers, like shut up. He's like, he's like, he's not. They they frisk him. He's like, he's not armed. Sure. He's like, open his bag, and they open his bag, and he's like, these are just my tools, but please wear gloves when handling. I haven't disinfected anything yet. And he's like, and they're like, oh, never mind. Everything's to be in order because his papers check out. He's like, forgive the intrusion, doctor. We just, uh, doctor Kledek, we just do our job as you do yours. Go home and watch your back. We live in difficult times, and uh. He walks by and sees like the 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 I would assume little boy on the like his mom. well the parent you know the parent like yeah. two two men that like that are looking over him he looks back over his shoulder and takes off running jumps the fence and he's in a he's in a, a graveyard and out of nowhere like a hand reaches out and grabs him and he freaks out and it's a little boy he's like hey hey he's like uh, Jacob why, why are you trying to make my heart burst We're like what are you doing now he's like I wanted to see to see the garden turnip soup tomorrow is Redick happy. He's like, yeah, Reddick is happy, but he will be even happier if we go back down quick. You'll make yourself ill in those clothes. The evenings are cold now. And they're like, they're sneaking around trying to get back. And uh, he's like, get back inside quick. And they go into this old burned out store and they walk through the back and they move a couple things around, some boxes and some doors and things around. They like uncover like a hole in the ground and they climb down and it's a big underground cavern. And down there's a whole, uh, a whole bunch of people. 
And uh, there's an old lady, and she's like, Jacob, oy vey, where were you? And I said, everything's fine, Mrs. Kleiner. He was out with me having a look at our garden. He's like, oh, Jacob. And like, it looks like we're having your special soup tomorrow. And uh, and he says, keep an eye on him, please. If they found this place, don't even say it, Radek. It won't happen again, the old lady says. And, uh, they, they, you know, they ex- exchange pleasantries, and he's talking about, like, how he appreciates... You know, how he got stopped, but he appreciates the, the fake papers and how they were working really well for him. And, and, uh, he, he brings, he, he had a bunch of like food in his bag that he'd gotten, like some bread and some chocolate and some other things. And it was only covered up by his, by his tools. Yeah. Yeah. He has a bunch of like basically groceries in there and it's only covered up by his, his tools and his medical tools. And it's like, good thing they didn't move anything around and they would have seen all this stuff. They're like, yeah, you need, you need to quit risking your, your risking yourself by bringing that stuff. And he's like, no, nope, I'm going to do what I can. And then he goes into the back where there's a bunch of like beds and um this about the people like an old professor is like is it medicine time time Sam still in this damn basement I don't even know if it's day or night but that's how you feel when you're dead too bad that pain reminds me I'm still alive he's like well I'll take this it'll help you rest and he goes through and he like you know he sees everybody and but the old man keeps talking to him as he's doing it he's like I'm sorry. Sorry to die, Reddick, but I'm I'm happy to be in my land and not in German prison. I only have one regret, and it's for those who remain. It's like Europe is powerless against Hitler, and the Czech rebels can only do so much. He's like, well, the attack on General Heydrich was an important sign. Like nonsense, it was foolish. It brought death and destruction. Life is, if possible, even harder for us Jews here now. It's like someone has to stop the Nazi fury. Someone must defend our people. The Jews had a defender once, you know. He's like, I'm just a doctor. What do you want me to do? He's like, not you, son. The Gollum. He's like, come on, professor. It's just a myth. He's like, don't blaspheme, Radic. The Gollum is truth. He's like, calm down. Lay down. Rest. He's like, I have all eternity to rest. Now listen to me. It's not a fairy tale. Over 300 years ago, the great morale of Prague, Rabbi Judah Lau Ben Bezalel, brought to life a mighty creature. The Maharal knew the power of the word and gave shape to the anthropoid that would defend the Jews from the accusations and the violence of their enemies. The Jews would obey the will of God, yesterday as today, enduring suffering and deprivation. But the Maharal, facing an evil that had grown too vast, chose to take action, and countered injustice with the Gollum, who responded to force with bigger force, to fury with higher fury, and to terror with deeper terror. The creature exists. You can awaken it, Radek. It has long lost its shape, but under the rafters of the old synagogue you can still find the clay, the holy matter, waiting to come to life. It will save us. Its strength will protect the helpless. There will be hope for us. Will you do it? He's like, I'll think about it, Professor. He's like, and after thinking about it, will you do it? He's like, I'll tell you in the morning. Get some rest now. And the old man says, think of the ones you have left, the ones you hold dear. Are you still in love with that beautiful girl? He's like, well, always. He's like, well, think of her then. And then it flashes to a, a blonde woman and in a maid outfit. And she's like, coffee's ready, ma'am. It's like, great, serve it in the living room. And then they're in some sort of house with like a bunch of German officers or Nazi officers, I guess, SS. Because they're in black uniforms. So usually black means SS. Yeah. It's like, my friends, if you follow me, we'll continue our conversation on more comfortable chairs. You can go, Zuska. We will manage. We made you late again, eh? And she's like, it's no problem, Colonel. And he's like, Helmet, will you be so kind as to take our Zuka home? He says, Jahal mein Herr. And then basically agreeing yes. And like it shows like a, an old black car with swastika flags on it. Like I'm assuming driving her home. Yeah. looks like he's the, the, the chauffeur for the 
the party for the SS guys. And that's where it ends. And so basically, I mean, if you know, like, Jewish mythology, like, the golem is an actual thing. I mean, well, I don't know if it's, I mean, not real, real, but it's like, it's a, I mean, it's in Jewish been. mythology. Could have, could have been. Could have, could have been real. Funny story is it, like, actually appears in an episode of The Simpsons. Yeah. And then they find a woman golem and, like, get him married to it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Bart, I think Bart awakens it and, like, crumples the thing and puts it in his mouth and it, like, beats up all the bullets. I think that's what happens. And from what I remember, it, yeah, he used it. It was a Treehouse of Horror episode, right? Yeah, it was one of the Halloween ones. It generally doesn't go well, but yeah, that one ended with more of a funny ending. But he did kill a lot of the other characters, from what I remember. But yeah. Interesting stuff. I mean, there's been movies and stuff that have used the Golem character, uh, like plenty of them actually. But I don't know, pretty cool. Um, what do you think about the book score wise? Uh, I liked it. Um, the art fits it real well. Like, I thought that was cool. They differentiated the time periods with, like, the different, like, col- the colors and things like that. And I like the idea of, like, a, an undercover Jewish doctor, um, like, kind of doing his thing. I don't know. Yeah. I would assume he's Jewish as well. You know what they don't. They don't really say, yeah. but I would assume if he's helping, he's at least helping, which is just as bad to the German, the Nazis. Oh, yeah. So they didn't care what you were um, doing. If you were involved in anything, they think they treated you the same. So I mean, I'm curious to see where they go with like he actually like they wake the golem and it becomes like kind of more supernatural story it would be kind of cool. I don't know. Um, I think that's the way it's aiming, but like until the, number two comes out, it's hard to say. The chauffeur at the end, they they do like a pretty. I don't know if I mean you take a look for yourself, but like to me. It looks as if the old man that's doing the puppet show at the beginning is very similar looking to the chauffeur at the end. In my opinion, I don't know if it's the same, but they like purposely show him. Well, he's got a, like his hairline and his, the way he's shaped is very similar. And yeah, so I don't know. I'll just, I just, it was a thought to me. So, right. but anyway, it seems as if the doctor's wife or lo- love interest Kind of being captive by the German, like he's a server, yeah, he's a servant, and so she's she's doing what she can to stay alive as in, well. In so. a rough place with that. So anyway, that was good. I give it, I give it a, I give it a three seven five. I mean, uh, I liked the book; it flowed well. I mean, I, I guess I give it a four. Like I was, pr- I was pretty impressed with it. Like I wasn't sure. I liked the the cover, especially. I thought like that, that's what pushes me into the four spectrum. Is like the four looks like an old school like. So it's a it's a homage cover. Yeah, this one is. Yeah, it does have five covers, but but that one's like super like nineteen sixties esque. Like I don't know. I thought it was really cool all around. I I wasn't sure what to expect, and so. Yeah, I don't. I can try to remember what book it is. I think it's a Fantastic Four book, but I don't remember. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. With the shackles on the front. Uh, shoot, I don't remember what number of the book that is. Yeah, I don't remember. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, that's what that cover is. Uh, Blaze has been doing that with a whole batch of different ones. Um, so they usually have like a D cover that is a uh, homage or homage cover, however you want to say it. But yeah, that's what that one is. With all the faces behind him and him shackled to the ground. Anyway, um, yeah, as far as score, I mean, I give it three and a half also. It was, it was pretty entertaining. I like the idea of leaning towards the alternate history stuff. So I'm kind of sucker for Historical that. fiction. Historical fiction. Uh, was this the same, same company that did that, um, the Night Witches book? No. The White Lily? 
Yeah. That was that was an independent company. Uh, Preston Poulter's guy does that, and it's his own company, but I can't remember what the name of the company is off the top of my head. Uh, but no, they're not connected. Uh, Preston, uh, he's done a few other books. I think they're called, oh, I remember, it's Pocket Jack's Comics. That's his imprint. Uh, but no, he's separate from all this. Um, Blaze is currently doing a batch of, uh, Sumerian books, so Conan without being Conan. And, uh, they're the ones that did, um, gosh, a while back we did a review of a book called Gung Ho Sexy Beast. It was about the, uh, like eight primates taking over basically the world and then uh, people leaving in pockets. Very zombie-esque, except they weren't zombies. But yeah, I, I want to liken it. It's pretty good. Like the, the art, the art fits what the story is because it's gritty. And like, I like the color changes, like you were talking about. The color change is interesting. Yeah, I give it a three and a half. Like, it's, and, it's and, pretty good. And I just found it's the, it's homage to, um, Fantastic Four 262. Two, is that what I said? 262? I think you said 262. Um, the Trial of Reed Richards. Ah, see, Trial of Reed Richards. But yeah, like, as a thing, they, they've done homage covers for a bunch of their books. They've got another series. It's, uh, about a porcelain doll and, Basically trying to turn another girl like a child. Well, she's not a kid kid, I guess. But it's anyway, it's a horror story, but they've been doing Harley Quinn recreations. So like the Joker Harley Quinn cover where the two of them are dancing, except it has our main character and then one of the evil guys behind her. So like they've been doing it for a bunch of different books and like the Sumerian books. They did one that was a recreation of the, uh, Superman bus and the chains cover, you know, where he's posed in the middle and the chains are all being broken off him just instead it's Conan. It's pretty cool. Well, Sumerian, because they don't call him Conan because copyright. Anyway, yeah, so score-wise for this book, I give it three and a half. It's pretty neat if you like history stuff at all, or stuff that's set in that period, then I think it's a good fit. Art's pretty good. Uh, as far as covers, yeah, it had like five covers um, that were not like incentive covers. Jay Lee did one. Uh, I think the Jay Lee cover was my next favorite one of the group, actually. But yeah, anyway, that's what I know about that book. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, Doctor Strange, or sorry, Death of Doctor Strange number one from uh, Marvel Comics. So this guy is written by uh, Jed McKay, and the art on it is by uh, Lee Garbett. As far as series are concerned, like it opens up and the first page is like a, a kind of cool, like looks like a book, and it says at the top of Doc, you know Death of Doctor Strange, and it has everybody's information in the middle, but it has clasps on the bookends, so it looks like you're reading a book inside of a book. So that was kind of neat. First page of actual action, we start with a voiceover. And uh, we've got a picture of Doctor Strange asleep in bed, you know, his room, complete, you know, kind of a disheveled mess, but a bunch of, you know, archaic things, a giant skull that's a table, and a whole bunch of armor and swords, and then a record player and in the floor, like a batch of tarot cards, and, you know, a pair of sneakers. So, you know, kind of disheveled room. Uh, the cape... Like his cloak is on top of him as if it's a sheet on, on top of the other sheets. And, uh, the voiceover starts out and, and it says, Kochi the Deathless, the Kochi the Deathless has always been fascinating to me. And then, uh, we see a voice off screen that says, Doctor, Doctor, it's time to get up. We pull to the next page and we see this basset hound that's glowing in blue come through the door because he's, well, he's a ghost. Um, and, uh, the voiceover persists throughout, and it talks and makes reference to, uh, Koshi the Immortal, uh, which is a real thing based out of a, a story from, like, a Russian nomad, like, or 
gosh, the, it's from like the 12th century or something. So it's a really old story that's actually based out of uh, Russian Turkish nomads. That's what they were. And Koyashi was a based off of one of their leaders. There's a whole bunch of stuff about that particular folklore character that uh, exists in the world. So it's based out of a real thing. Anyway, um, so the dog's like, come on, Stephen, it's time for walkies. You're burning daylight. And uh, Stephen stirs in bed, and he's like, bats? Uh, you know, biologically, you don't have any need for walkies. Uh, you know, you, you're also capable of taking yourself. And uh, the dog replies to him, well, biologically, I needed more walkies before I had a heart attack. You don't want to die of a heart attack at 17, do you? The walkies are for you. They're not for me. And so Stephen gets up and, you know, he rubs his neck and he begrudgingly gets himself moving. And while while he's doing all this, again, it still persists with the, the voiceover, the monologue about uh, the reasons for Kobayashi's making his decisions and, like, what he had done to keep himself to live forever and how he was always really fascinated with the way he did that. Uh, and what it turns out is that what he had done, the reason for this is he removed a small piece of his himself, a piece of his soul, and then he hid it. And as long as the piece was never reunited with him, he couldn't die. And uh, it talks about how the piece of his soul he hid, and the way he hid it, it's pretty crazy. So uh, he basically took a piece of his soul, he hid it in the, in a needle, then he hid the needle in an egg, he hid the egg in a duck, he hid the duck in a rabbit, then he hid the rabbit in a chest, and he buried it where no one would find it. And like while we're going over that, we see Stephen getting ready for the day. He you know puts on his, I guess his bath robe. Goes in, brushes his teeth, shaves. As he's uh, doing this, we want to see him pick up a picture that's a Polaroid. And the, the Polaroid is of uh, Clea, like the girl that was his girlfriend. Um, and I, from what I understand, Clea's dead in the comic books right now. Like, I don't I don't think she's still alive. But he looks at the picture, and, you know, he put, eventually he puts it down. He puts his, toothpaste away, or tooth, his toothbrush away, and we see him cut from there to his room. He's putting on a normal shirt, like a regular go-out-on-the-town type shirt. Comes downstairs and Wong's in there making breakfast, c- cooking eggs, and um, he's like, "Yeah, good morning, Wong." He's like, yeah, "Good morning, Stephen. Uh, would you would you be having breakfast today before walkies?" He's like, ah, "I have a feeling that uh, you heard bats. Uh, I don't think we're gonna have time for uh, walkies. We're worried about cardiac instead of we're worried, we're worried about cardiac and fitness, not necessarily eating cardio, cardio and fitness. That's right, cardio. Anyways, like I." He gives him some coffee, and Stephen's like happy to take the coffee. And the, you know, they they talk a little bit more. And as all that's going on, we still get some more about Kobayashi, and they talk about how it being a myth and how the myth always fascinated him, even when he was a child. And prior to his accolades becoming a surgeon, he was already enthralled with that idea. And part of that's what drove him to become a surgeon because he wanted to figure out a way to cheat death. And uh, that was his primary drive to make him into the surgeon in the first place was. Basically trying to beat death. Uh, so him and the dog leave, and he's got his coffee. And as they're walking through town, him and the dog are talking. And uh, the voiceover goes over a little bit more about the biggest thing being trying to find a way to cheat death. And uh, prior to him losing the use of his hands, which is something that's really well known, his the only other thing he really wanted to do was beat death. Anyway, so uh, there's a little more conversation between him and the dog, and he's like, I don't make the rules, Bats. Now, you gotta pick, pick, pick up the pace, cause I'm due for surgery in an hour. Uh, and 
from there, we cut to a scene of him cleaning his hands, putting on gloves. Now, if you don't know, at re- fairly recently, the series right before this actually was called Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme. And uh, there was a storyline that, I don't know, maybe happened two years ago, where uh, Stephen, uh, in his in his hunt in the astroplane, wound up coming across a uh, a demon guy who's basically made out of like cancers. Um, and he had access to a demon library, well, Stephen stole a scroll from the demon library that gave him the spell to fix his hands. Now, in the comic book that was happening, there was a point where this boy needed surgery, and the only way to save the boy would be to have someone that could do the surgery. And Stephen couldn't do it because of his hands and the shakes and all the problems he's had since the car wreck. So, his whole problem for not being a surgeon in the first place. So, he begrudgingly decided to use the scroll, be- whether it came with bad intent or not, in order to save the little boy's life. Ultimately, the scroll fixed his hands by initially melting them away and then regrowing them. It was pretty crazy. Anyhow, so since then, Stevens had access to his hands like normal, and the use of magic no different. Um, initially, the scroll kind of threatened that he might use lose his magic ability. That was a possibility from doing it, but that did not happen. So, at this point, Stephen no longer has the problems he had before, and since then. He's been able to perform as a surgeon as well. And that whole Surgeon Supreme storyline dealt with him, like, cutting cancers out of people that were actually being driven by demons and things. So, it was really pretty cool. Give you a chance to read Surgeon Supreme. Anyway, so as he puts on these gloves to get ready to do some more surgery, we get some more information about uh, backstory for him and him becoming a mystic, him going to try to get help to fix his hands. So, it's a little bit of a recap of his life. Um... Which, I mean, I, I mean, it's cool. Anyway, so, um, so there he goes and he does does the surgery. Um, we get a little more talk in there about his faithful hunting dog that's kept him kept him away far too long. And he's just more talking about bats and about the different things going on in the world. So he finishes the surgery, and then we wind up seeing him upstairs, and he's outside having basically coffee, like a little espresso. And we see this giant explosion. He's like, ah, oh, the surgeon's work's never done. And so he transforms into Doctor Strange, puts on, you know, the Doctor costume by using magic, changes out of the scrubs, and he heads off to where the problem is. From there, we cut to this crazy scene of a dude kind of dressed in, like, robes, and there's just crazy power emanating out of him. His hands are on fire, and they're just... It looks like Phoenix power shooting out of him. And he's screaming. He's like, oh, the screams, I can't... I can't hear them anymore. I can't... You have to stop it. I can't... Why can't anyone else hear the screams? And there's these two officers there that both drawn down on him, and the one's like, "You got to power down, sir." And Doctor Strange comes walking up behind him. And he's like, "There'll be there'll be enough of that, officers." And the uh, other officer's like, "Power down, or we'll be forced to," because they were planning to shoot him. Stephen steps between the two of them. He's like, "Well," or the one who says, "Well, look who it is." And he's like, "I'll handle this." And he's like, "We're handling this." And the other officer's like, "Um, this is kind of more like his job, man." We should probably, uh, you know, just, I don't know, be out of it. And uh, Doctor Strange tells him, this man is not, he's not malicious, he's in crisis. And he's like, he doesn't need bullets, he needs a doctor. And from there, Doctor Strange casts a few spells, and he goes in there, and he he starts talking to the man. And he's like, uh, Mr. Uh, Rasputin, uh, that's not your name. No. Uh, He's like, the dying, can't you hear the screams? This is the guy, the crazy guy. He's like, the dying, can't you hear the screaming? I, I can't stop hearing the screaming. And Dr. Strange is like, uh, is your real name Mr. Polonik? Well, Mr. Poltnik. 
Mr. Poldnick, that's your real name. Where did you get this power from? He's like, I just wanted the power, just, just a little. I just wanted the power a little bit. He's like, well, where did you go to get the power? He's like, two questions, one answer. Cinnabon, Cinnabon, Cinnabus. C-I-N-N-I-B-U-S. Cinnabus. And Doctor Strange is like, well, you've linked yourself to the seven, to the seven sons of Cerebus. The dimension, um, the dimension and the celestials concardus. Concardus? God, I can't say that right. It's all right. <clears throat> He's like, I don't understand. Uh, what, what, who's dying? What's dying? He's like, all I can hear are the screams. Death and screams. Help, help me, strange. Help me. And he's like, well, your connection to the plane is what's causing you to, the distress. Um, so whatever happens, it, there's going to be transfer between these two things, but, uh, I'm going to sever the connection. And he's like, like diffusing, it's going to be like diffusing a bomb. And so Dr. Strange appears his third eye and he starts doing his, uh, incantations. He's like, this is just like surgery. Have no fear. And, uh, he starts performing the, separation of the the plane from the man and in the process of that we see this purple like crazy like power oozing out of him and then Doctor Strange creates this pair of scissors and he cuts the crazy oozing power and the man returns to normal he's like oh it's gone it's quiet I I can't believe it's quiet and the Doctor Strange turns to the two police officers he's like this man's gonna need hospitalization please see see that he gets it Um, I have to go somewhere else now um I'll contact you shortly so I can check in on him. And basically, Doctor Strange is like, I have a class to teach. And away he goes. The next place we see is he's at the Strange Academy. And uh, he's in front of the class, and he's in the process of teaching the uh, the students. So we see the Darmamu kid, and Strange is basically talking about how important the, the duties of the, the Sorcerer Supreme is, and that one day one of the students may become the Sorcerer Supreme because he can't be the Sorcerer Supreme forever. Even someday he'll pass and some someone else will have to take over for him. And so, like, while this is all going on, we get a shot of a few of the different students. So we mostly see the son of Darmamu. Um, and uh, Doctor Strange goes over finishing whatever his lecture is about. And as that's going on, eventually we have uh, him finish the class and he leaves. And then uh, Darmamu's son comes running up behind him. He's like, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange. He's like, Doyle, which is Darmamu's son, Doyle. Um, how can I help you? He goes, well, there's something weird. Something weird is going on. Have you heard anything about my father? He's like, well, Darmamu, no, I haven't. It's been weird that we haven't heard anything from him. What do you mean by weird? He's like, well, my, my fault line, it's connected to the dark dimension, and I can't feel it for some reason. It, it, something isn't right. Something's happening. And uh, Doctor Strange is like, well, I'll look into that and see what I can try to find out about it. And then Doctor Strange, all of a sudden, there's a he's being, he gets summoned over the I don't know intercom to make his way to the baseball diamond because there's a problem. And uh, he's like, well, I have to go now. Uh, I have to take. I must go, Doyle. Uh, it would appear that I am needed elsewhere. And we return outside to the baseball diamond, and there's all these crazy demon things, and magic's in there swinging her sword around, hacking them up, and. And they're just attacking all crazy style. So basically, Doctor Strange joins her in the battle, um, fighting these. And they're, they're kind of dressed like baseball players, actually. Like the demons are. Like their outfits are like baseball player outfits. Um, so two of them basically are battling them. And eventually, Doctor Strange wraps one of them up in crazy, like, red power. And uh, he starts questioning him. He's like, who am I speaking to? We we are here to harvest the souls, the souls from Earth and the Earth's children. 
we, we hunger for their souls. And uh, Magic starts in the middle of that, and she just punches him in the face and knocks a bunch of his teeth out of his head. So uh, from there, he's no good to talk to anymore because the dude doesn't have teeth anymore. And Doctor Strange casts one more spell and opens up this portal in the ground. It sucks basically all them into the portal. And she's like, we should speak, Doctor. We should speak to Dr. Voodoo about this. Uh, and he's like, she's like, hello, Strange. He's like, huh, I'm sorry, Eliana. I'm needed elsewhere. And from there, he jumps to another event where he's dealing with um, a more recent thing that happened with the Soul Stones. It's kind of a barrage of things. We see him deal with Shang-Chi basically when he had the uh, Phoenix power that happened during the Avenger story that came out maybe like, I don't know, three months ago. Um, and then we see a flash of him, uh, helping take care of a, a batch of demons in a, in a, in like a, like a, a, what do you call where you bury people? Graveyard. God, that's hard to remember. Anyway, so it's a bunch of different scenes of him doing different things, kind of montage style. And then we return home. And you see on the couch having a sandwich. Bats is there with his head resting on him. The, uh, the basset hound. And, uh, the Doctor Strange goes on to, he plays a ga- game of, uh, chess with this crazy slug monster with lots of eyes. He winds up fighting one of the, uh, one of the, uh, wrecking crew. You see him use some ground to uppercut him and take him out. Then he stops a robbery at a liquor store. So it's just like his whole day is full of doing random things. Um, and it, it, the montage goes on for a minute. Eventually they have him fight, fighting this crazy golem thing. Uh, it takes care of some crazy alligators and a dude who's wielding them, like magic style. Uh, then eventually he's sitting having another cup, cup of coffee, and uh, we see he's ke- kept a picture of Clea with him. So he's sitting there and he's looking at the, the picture of Clea, and it's more the voiceover the entire time all these flashes are happening. We're getting the inner monologue about how he studied um, Kobayashi the Deathless, and uh, how Kobayashi pulled off what he did and was able to do what he did. And it, he talks about how, but he lost part of himself when he did it. And he, the main thing that you learn from Kobayashi is he managed to cheat death. Like, he really cheated death. And, uh, he, the only way you could really do it is by carving out a piece of your soul. Um, so from his long day of work, we, uh, finally are in the evening, and Steven's sitting there in his bathrobe. He's got his feet in the, what looks like a tentacle soup bowl, because it's got, like, I don't know, like squid pieces hanging out of it. Yeah. So like, kind of like what's coming out of his hands and stuff during the what if. Like, yeah, yeah, he's exactly like that. He's getting a foot massage from some sort of <laughs> crazy tentacle monster. <laughs> otherworldly. Right. Thing. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty funny actually. And, uh, you know, as that's going on, all of a sudden we hear a knock at the door and Steven's like, oh, God, can't I ever get a break? And so he gets up and as he's going downstairs, we get a little more of the voiceover dealing with the idea of separation of soul and, uh, a person doing that to themselves, what it takes to do that. And, uh, as he gets towards the door, it's some, the person continues to knock. And so he gets down there and he's like, yes, yes. Uh, and he casts a spell to transform himself back into the Dr. Strange uniform. And he says, enter. And he opens the door. And on the other side of the door, it's a face that we don't, we see a shadow. And the shadow, he's like, it's basically from the view of the person that's looking at strange. So he's, you're like, you're looking at strange, like over the person's shoulder. So you don't really, it's just like a dark. Yeah. It doesn't really tell you who it is at all. He's like, ah, oh. he's like, uh, this has been a really long day. And then he realizes who it is. And we see a, a set of teeth, only teeth. And he says this, it's, it's your last day. And there's this giant vortex explosion of power. And then we have a whole bunch of shots of Steven fighting, whoever it is. Eventually, he gets himself pinned up against the wall with some crazy blue, like, purple power lightning stuff. 
and uh, we see a person's hand holding a knife. He's like, well, go on then. But be warned, this will not be the end. The way This will not end the way you wish it will. Or the way you wish it... <clears throat> Take two. Go on then. But be warned, this will not end the way you wish. And he's got blood coming out of his nose, his eyes all cut up, and then it just goes black. The next page of actual content, we see Wong sitting at the drawing board, and it, the voiceover says, they know the moment it happens. The world reacts, and we see a shot of Wong, we see a shot of Thor, we see a shot of um, uh, magic, we see a shot of bats, we see a shot of uh, the shaman, uh, we see a shot of Doctor Strange, we see a, a, a shot of Doctor Brother or Brother Voodoo, and they all realize that as soon as Doctor Strange died, they all felt it. And we cut from there to it being being too late, of course, for them to do anything to stop it. And like uh, Brother Voodoo's the last one we see, he's opened a portal to travel to the mansion. And uh, once we get there, Wong sitting there on the floor crying. Uh, the main girl from the school, whose name I don't remember, she's she's there bewildered. And Brother Voodoo's just looking down, and we see Doctor Strange's body. And uh, he's got a hand missing, blood flowing out of where the hand was, and a knife stabbed in his chest. And he is, uh, he's dead dead. And uh, Wong says, Stephen, oh Stephen. And uh, Bat says, he's, he's not gone. He's not gone, right? The doc, he's, he's not gone. And the dog's very, you know, he's very sad and, you know, just trying to collect as much information as he can as, as a dog. And uh, Brother Voodoo, Brother Voodoo says some words as well. And then uh, we have a shot where all of a sudden Baron Mordo comes walking into the room with one of his, uh, I guess they're called, I think they're called the Deathless, his little servants. I don't really remember that. But anyway, Baron Mordo comes walking in the room and initially Wong freaks out. He's like, you did this. And he tries to attack him and, of course, the foot soldier gets in the way. He's like, uh, oh, the, your fingers won't touch up on my master. And uh, Brother Voodoo grabs a hold of him and pulls him back. He's like, wait. He goes, I'm not here because I, I didn't do this. Whoever did this took it from me. I I was the one who was supposed to kill Doctor Strange. This wasn't done by my hand. So he's also equally upset by it. But he's upset because uh, he wanted to kill Strange. And uh, that's what that was about. Uh, from there, we see... Uh, the girl from the school, and she sees a beeping noise coming from a stack of books. She goes over and picks it up, and it's 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 Doctor Strange's Avengers card, his membership card, and uh, on the back of it's Captain America. And uh, so, we, even the Avengers are aware of Doctor Strange's death. And uh, while it's going on, there he he tells her that he needs help from Doctor Strange. That they're having multiple issues, and all these crazy things are happening. He needs he needs help immediately. Like everything's moving, everyone's engaged. Like all these rifts in reality are. We need Doctor Strange. The six dimensions are all separating, and uh, she's like, "Well, uh, he's he's not here. He's he's gone." And we see a shot of Wong arguing with. Uh, well, he's it's the my it's the the servant of. Uh, um, gosh, I think they're called the Deathless. It's Baron Mordo's servant guy. He might have a name, but I don't know it. Uh, anyway, um. And then uh, we see Bats look up, and he's howling in sadness. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this crazy white light emanates from a door. And the door opens, and out stops, or out steps Doctor Strange. However, this is Doctor Strange, like, 1979 look. He's got the crazy blue, like, pirate ship outfit on with the blue cape. 
and he's got the gloves that have the black dots on the bottom that look like fire. He's like, well, if I'm here, then there must have been something else must have happened that's gone wrong. Uh, tell me what year it is. And that's where the book wraps. And behind him, we see this crazy, like, kaleidoscope of color and all these little orbs in the background. So wherever he stopped out of wasn't a real door. It's, it's this alternate dimension portal. And that's the, uh, that's the end of that issue. So, uh, crazy? Um, it's written really, really well. I mean, there's no way I did it justice in trying to explain it because all the stuff about Kobayashi and all the stuff about his history and all the stuff about Doctor Strange's life to this point, it reads so, so, so well. Um, so there's no way I did it justice. Um, it's a hundred percent better than my explanation. Uh, the art's really good. It's neat. As far as a book, I mean, I give it a four and a half. Like, I liked it a lot. All the stuff with the dog, all the stuff with all the people connected to him, just so cool. Um, being that it's only a miniseries, I guess we'll see where it goes, but the idea here is that, best we can tell, whenever he fractured himself, it was way back in the day. Because this Doctor Strange doesn't, uh, doesn't even know what year it is. Which is uh, also kind of interesting, because it means there's a lot of things that our Steven had had happen to him. I mean, the healing of his hands and all the other steps with the Dark Universe stuff he did that this one's never had to do. So, interesting. But yeah, I give it a four and a half. I thought it was really, really cool. Yeah, I dug it a lot. Or Mr. Joss, do you know anything about the uh, Death of Doctor Strange? So we weren't quite sure when the Blue Cloak originally appeared. You You were thinking, like, late 70s, possibly, but, like... As we dug deeper, it goes way back. So the, the the blue cloak doesn't even appear in his first appearance. He doesn't even have a cloak until his third issue. Right. Which would be uh, Strange Tales number 112. Right. And then that cloak itself and his original amulet, because the Eye of Agamotto and the Cloak of Levitation are, don't appear until issue number 127, I guess. But those that first cloak and that first amulet are in, still in existence, because he, he gives the cloak and the original amulet to an apprentice later on, what it looks like in the around in the nineties. And then, um, Deadpool actually steals that amulet at one point and, and yeah, an annual issue. The, and the cloak too, and to do something else in one of his annuals. But yeah. So this is night 1963. Dr. Strange that comes out of the door yeah. or comes out of the void as it were. So yeah, it's even farther back than what I thought. I mean, I, I was guessing the 70s, but... It was hard to find, though, because I, I just, when I was Googling blue cloak Doctor Strange, like, Doctor Strange wore a blue cloak and a mask for a long time, too, which was weird. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, so I was like, ah, I just didn't know, yeah. Right. Crazy stuff. But yeah, so 1963, 1964, Doctor Strange is what the actual Doctor Strange is that now we have... Yeah, so first appearance, strange, I guess. Right, first appearance was strange, Aven- strange adventures. No, strange tales. Strange tales, yeah. One ten. So yeah, like that's like origin stuff. It's crazy. Pretty interesting though. Right. To give it a four and a half as well. I just like the urgency at the end. It's like this weird other like old school Doctor Strange walks out with like less white hair, like no goatee, just the mustache, just the pencil thin mustache. It's like. If I've been released and the worst must have happened, we must move quickly. There isn't much time. Tell me what year it is. And it's just like, everybody's like, what? Well, yeah, and like when Captain America is talking to her through the card, 
he's freaked out and he's just, there's all these things that they, like the earth he shows her, the globe has all these explosions all over it. And it's, it, whatever is happening because of this is just crazy. And as, and as, as he, you know, strained his internal dialogue talking, he's like, in case I might have been killed in the future, I did something similar. I did something close. And then it's just like, then you see this strange. So you're just like, he fractured himself somehow. Right. Which with all this stuff happening in the most recent, what if, well, then the series, what if, and this next Spider-Man movie, it's just, it's awesome timing, really. But yeah, pretty I'm cool. I'm sure it's not. Oh, no. I, they, there's no way that things connect to each other. No way. No, but, no. I'm sure it's not like on accident, though, that like they're doing oh, these yeah. things are strained right now. No, no. For sure. But yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Like the, the normal A cover, there are a couple variant covers that are cool, too. Uh, the Peach Moco is okay, but the uh, the regular A cover is just so good. Like it's it's really beautiful. Um, but yeah, you said four and a half. They gave four and a half as well. I yeah, mean, yeah. the art was fantastic. The story flowed really well. You got a lot of cool little sneak, like you know, like appearances by people. Um, I don't know. That was great. Uh, I've never been like a big Doctor Strange reader. Like not the, not not saying that I haven't been a big Doctor Strange fan, but I've just never been a big reader of him. But like, I like I, I thought this was fantastic. So yeah, it was a really good book. Liked it a lot. Um. Yeah, other than gushing over that book, I guess that's all I really got to say about it. Like, it's awesome. I can't wait for number two just because it's such an interesting concept. Right. And just seeing where it goes will be really cool. I mean, whoever did it, I mean, the knife might be a clue, but I don't recognize a knife from anything. So I guess we'll see. Yeah, so from there, uh, we have an interview with Haman Red. Uh, he's an artist uh, that I did an interview with up in the Colorado, at the Colorado Springs Comic Con this uh past August, so 2021. Uh, really awesome dude. Does a lot of really cool, like, uh, he does, he has a particular theme that he follows. He does cereal box recreation and just of all kinds. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, so we'll run that for you. Um, and then be back in a minute. Hey, this is Steve with Top 5 Comics Podcast here at the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con 2021, and I'm joined by... Uh, Hector Saniceros, also known as Hamon Red. And Hector, as far as conventions, I mean, now that things are starting to happen again, I mean, is this your first one, second one, third one? What are you, where are you at right now for this year? I think I'm at six right now. Oh, man. Yeah, just nonstop. Just keep on... You know, I just uh, it's, it, it's been almost two years, so... We have to just uh, push forward and, you know, give the people what they want. So I'll, I'll come to, to their towns and, and uh, sling my, my sketches. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's been pretty much it. Just doing uh, an event uh, each weekend. Plan to do uh, as many as possible. Hopefully there won't be a, a, another shutdown soon. But if there is, I'll be prepared. So, so yeah, that, that's all I know. I mean... Uh, I, I draw kind of like parody art stuff, um, uh, specifically uh, fake uh, serial covers. Uh, yeah, just like I, I need to do something different so people uh, pay attention to me, I guess. So, yeah. It's all a matter of getting caught and noticed in the world, man. And like theme-wise, I know a few people that theme fits 100%. Uh, as far as like art, like what got you into doing art in the first place, man? Do you have like an origin story? Uh, uh, art has always been in my family. I literally got painters, architects, um, sculptors throughout all my family history. But I, I literally have been uh, 
doing it since I could hold a crayon. My mom uh, gave me, uh, literally, uh, as a little baby, she would give me markers or crayons to scribble on paper. And uh, I basically started drawing human figures before I reached a year old. So, uh, like, my parents saw that there was potential there. And just let me loose, you know, uh, keep on drawing. I draw a lot of details on things. Like, uh, children don't normally draw, like, eyelashes and zippers and uh, nose holes or whatever, you know. Just, uh, I, I would draw from my perspective, and, and I just kept on doing it for years and years and years. Uh, I started uh, being a digital artist, I want to say, about uh, maybe... Uh, Ten years ago, more or less, and uh, uh, I, I've definitely have improved. I've been trying to. I'm always looking for new techniques, new things, make things look cool, uh, and uh, simplify things too. Because uh, yeah, it, it's not the same. Even though you, it, it's enjoyable, but to grab a piece of paper and and make mistakes that when you do just a right click and you know undo, it's a lot easier. It's funny because I, I I do that when I'm doing a traditional stuff. I'll, I'll catch myself trying to enlarge by pinching or, or squeezing or, or uh, where's that button to undo or double tap. Like, oh, no, no, this is real. Don't do that. Don't do that. So, yeah, there, there's there's that. Um, what else? What else? Did you- man, well, do you have, like, a favorite style? Because, like, a few of these di- different styles on all your stuff here, man. Do you have a style you prefer? Do you like more anime stuff? Like, what do you like best? Uh, I, the, what I like best is what gets uh, people's attention. I like, I like to do the... Um, a- anime, I like to chibify. I like to uh, if 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 it uh, calls uh, the need to. I like to like. I guess it's like a candle wax kind of a um, look that I that I do, where you you deform a character, but it, that's kind of like what the the serial characters kind of look like. But um, depending, also you want to make it look as close as possible to the the actor or or the celebrity that you're depicting. So. You don't want to mess with that, or else people just don't recognize it. So, yeah, that. Sure, right, right. Well, as far as like, I mean, other art stuff. Have you ever? Th- I mean, have you ever tried books? Have you ever thought about doing books? Is uh, that something you want to do? I I have done books uh, in the past. It's just that uh, you don't have too much time when you're just on the road all all the time. Like I literally just sometimes I I don't even get a chance to touch base. I just go from con to con, and I have to book a. A hotel in, in between because it's just like yeah you're just hitting it hard but I've done books before in the past I started off with books I had a the Golden Tortilla Boy and I also worked with a, a friend under the Beard and Frog uh, I have another one Tequila Sunrise just all these like they're, they're literally just fun stories that uh, I, I mean the, the art calls the attention more May, maybe in the future when people call for it more or they're hungry for it I'll, I'll, uh, I'll bring out more books but I'm always down. I mean, people commission me to do all the all kinds of things, so I'm all I'm always into that. I'm always ready for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you have like a dream goal, let's just say that you're given carte blanche to work with any character. Like, what character would you want to do? Uh, like, I mean, uh, what I, what I would like is you know get that the next SpongeBob, the next uh, Mickey Mouse, and and just explode, get that recognition, and yeah. and uh, so people. Like you know, become that name that uh, that a uh, household name. It's like, oh my God, he got the he's got the the chippy or whatever. I don't yeah. know, just that thing, and uh, you know, expanded. Have a have a cartoon, a toy line, uh, clothes, people. You know that. I just like making people feel yeah. good. You know, it, uh, if you can literally make someone smile after they they uh, had a really bad day, and they just you just show them a doodle, and and they they break out of their their sadness. I I think that's. That's my ultimate goal. I just want to bring more good stuff 
because we're, we're surrounded by so much terrible things all the time that uh, I just want to make people smile. I want to make people happy. So whatever I can do to, uh, to, to, to bring more of that, that's all on board. Whatever, whatever uh, it is, if it's with a, with a book, a print, or, or just a quick sketch, that, that's what I'm all about. Sure, well, bring joy, and if you can make it an empire, fantastic. Heck yeah, of course, of course. That's how, that's how you know, you, you, you gotta eat. We yeah, gotta yeah, eat. Yeah, no, we're not actually doing it for free, brother. No, no, no. no. no, no. What is your go-to karaoke song? Ooh, uh, I guess maybe I Am Iron Man. I'll go with that one for, for uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, I mean, I... I haven't done it in too long, but yeah, there's there's other songs I'm sure. Uh, the House of the Rising Sun, I like that one too. Oh man! So those those are fun. Uh, I don't know. Those are both good choices, man. I am Iron Man. That's uh, I wouldn't say the first one we've ever had on the show for that one. That's good. Heck yeah, dude! Oh, the the Pokemon theme song that always gets the oh my that, gosh. that one's silly. There you go. That's a good one. You always you know gotta catch them all. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. I do that one too all the time. <laughs> yeah, those, those are good times. What else you got? So if you're stranded on a deserted island and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? Like, uh, do they have to be real? No. No? They can also be people. Oh, they can be people, but I'm talking about, like, can it, since we're doing, like, geeky, nerdy things, like, do, can I bring, like, let's say an Infinity Gauntlet or something like that? I mean, you would be the first, but yes. Oh, heck yeah. We'll see. First, uh, I'd take the, the Infinity Gauntlet. That's one. Um... I don't know. Um, I, I almost. Uh, I want my Green Lantern ring. I want that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Huh? My Swiss Army knife. <laughs> uh, uh, a bottle of water. How many? That's four. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and uh, I guess my uh, Cintiq, so I can draw on stuff. Okay. So there you go. I guess that. that. No, it's good, man. <laughs> you, it, those are some of the best ones. Like the, probably the only one better was Dan Jurgens, and he won the uh, replicator from Star Trek. Oh, there you and go. And he's like, "I'm done." I'm like, "Good job, Dan. Thanks." Well, that that that's that's too. Yeah, I just wanted a million, billion, trillion dollars. <laughs> like, okay, but how are you gonna spend it? Well, especially but, on an island, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I just uh, I could have said like, "Yeah, just Infinity Gauntlet, duh." But no, you gotta have some fun with it. I don't yeah, know. Man. What, what what else can you ask me? What, what All right, so we got one more. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Ride a chocolate pony? I I'm scared I might give it a bite. So I mean I I mean if, and if I could ride one, are there several? Is it just one? I mean it's Fantasyland, so maybe. Oh crap! Yeah, I'd ride it. Yeah, sure. I just would wear like special rubber pants or something. Cause it might get melty, right? Yeah. I mean definitely it'll, it'll get melty. I'll, I'll leave a print. So <laughs> I just feel so bad for it, but Man. yeah, why not? <laughs> All right, partner. So people want to find your art, and they don't get to go to conventions. Where do they find your art? Oh uh, well, they can find me on Instagram, on Facebook, on all the social medias. Normally, just as Hamon Red, which is J A M O N Red, uh, or just Hector Ceniceros, which is um, C E N I C E R O S. But yeah, I'm based in Arizona, and uh, I'll probably swing by uh, your your town here in the near future. Right on, man. Well, thanks for taking the time, dude. My pleasure, my pleasure. Thanks for swinging by. All right, I want to thank Hamon again for uh, doing an interview and hanging out, chit-chatting. Um, a piece of something else that we talked about while we were he, it's one of his cereal box recreations is uh, of Mike Tyson on like a Pops box. It's it's awesome. He told me this story about 
doing a Comic Con in in Vegas, and uh, at one point it was it was the end, it was the end of the end of the from what he was telling me it was the end of the show, so like the last day of the show, and he's in the process of taking things down. And all of a sudden, he heard this voice behind him. I was like, "Is that me? Is that me?" And like the way he tells the story is awesome. So like him and Mike Tyson met for a minute because Tyson had done that show as a, and a guest, and like we happened to see it when he came by and was like, "I, I want to copy that." So yeah, it, pretty neat little story. That's the one I bought. Actually, I showed you that the other day whenever I came back from that convention. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty neat. Like done up like the uh, Mike Tyson mystery style, just as a cereal box. It was freaking hilarious. Anyway, he is awesome. He's a super great dude. Um, definitely check out his uh, his websites and stuff to support the guy. He's great. Uh, we'll see. Well, after all that, uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? Um. I learned about Blue Doctor Strange. That's very true. That's what I learned today, Josh. Well, according to this, um, Doctor Strange actually wore a mask for a while, like in issues, like in the 160 and 70s issues or something, numbers 170 something. And supposedly it's because somebody took over his identity and then he like, he came back out of it and wore the mask for a minute. But then he was just like, I'm going to keep the mask to keep my... My secret identity, but really it was because the sales were, f- were failing and they wanted to make him look more like a superhero. But, um, because everybody was like, well, why would he need a secret identity when he's literally called Doctor Strange? <laughs> right. But then, like, later on, Eternity <laughs> came out of nowhere and gave him, like, a secret identity called Steven Sanders. And so that's where the Steven Strange things. And yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Just crazy he was, nonsense. He was canceled a couple times and then, like, the Hulk randomly stumbles upon him at one point and he came out in the Defenders. Yeah. <laughs> it was a whole thing. And then for a while, like, he went to his, like, childhood home and, or some, or his original home and, like, Baron Mordo was, like, posing as posing him. Posing as him, yeah. Yeah, also really weird. So I don't know if he was, like, if more, like, what Baron Mordo was doing. He was like, I'm Stephen Strange and I'm taking craps on my neighbor's lawns. Like, that's kind of, <laughs> I mean, like, was just being a bad neighbor? Like, I have no, idea. no, you can't borrow a cup of sugar. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Putting razor blades and apples for like the neighborhood kids, like during I mean, Halloween. It's messed up stuff, man. Well, he's a bad guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's a or bad guy. Or does he just not like strange? No, he's a bad guy. Okay. Yeah, he's a bad guy. Yeah, that is a, I definitely did learn about the mask and everything else there, which is crazy. And it's one of those masks that's not a mask where like he still has a nose and a mouth and eyes and everything, but it's just his whole face is just blue. It's pretty creepy. No, no hair. Well, I mean, but... it looks like the Silver Surfer, but just blue. Yeah. Definitely weird. Uh, you got any books to watch? Just this one. The Death of Doctor Strange? Mm-hmm. Makes sense. First issues are freaking great, so... And this just, just came out? Uh, it's been about a week and a half now. Yeah, so. so it's like there's not another one out yet. No, not yet. And there's like a whole crossover, because they're going to do like Death Doctor Strange, Strange Academy, and all sorts of stuff, right? There's a bunch of crossover books. There's a whole handful of tie-ins, yeah. Uh, Doctor Strange and the, the Strange Academy has a tie-in. I think there's a Captain America tie-in, but yeah, there's a whole slew of tie-in books, actually. Mm. Um, like, maybe, I think there's four, so. Avengers, num- Death of Doctor Strange Avengers, number one. Strange Academy presents the Death of Doctor Strange, number one. Spider-Man, Death of Doctor Strange Spider-Man, Death of Doctor Strange White Fox, Death of Doctor Strange Blade, Death of Doctor Strange X-Men Black Knight, and that's it. So yeah, so there's a few. And then Doc- Death of Doctor Strange one through five, all of those. Well, that's the main series, but yeah, with the tie-ins. 
So oh, the only one that's really 11, weird. 11 books. Weird to me there is the White Fox one. Because she hasn't had like a, she hasn't really been in anything since like her one-shot book. So, I mean, that's interesting. Like, I guess we'll see how the, she's tied to the situation, I guess. Maybe she's the one who stabbed him. And because of the way that the shadow is shaped, that doesn't make sense. She wears like a headdress, kind of like a kind of like a Wolverine mask, sort of. Mm. So I mean, I guess it could be, but I don't. I don't think that's who it is. But I mean, I guess I mean, I guess she's a possibility. I don't know. I don't think her teeth will look like the way those teeth look like. But I guess I've never really seen her teeth by themselves. So who knows? Um, as far as like books to watch, um, there's a series that came out this last week from Image that's uh. A Righteous Thirst for Vengeance. Um, issue one of it I thought was pretty great. It moves very like a movie. And uh, it doesn't have a lot of dialogue because of that. But it was really pretty cool. To, uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the series goes. Uh, but it's Rick Remender who's in charge of it, and he's good. So I, I liked it a lot. The art was really great. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. There's a series getting ready to come out called The, F- the Furthest Place From Here. And it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland story. Uh, I got to read a preview of issue one already, and it's pretty good. Uh, the art's a little simple, but uh, it's about a batch of uh, kids in the future where things have fallen apart that are driven to live in separate groups, and the groups sort of feud. Um, our particular group that is the main group being cast of characters live in a record store, and something that's kind of cool is they all pick a particular record that is their record that's a symbol of themselves, and when they hit a certain age, they are either killed or taken or die or something happens because none of the people get to be old. Um, and whenever they exit or they die, their record gets thrown in the fire. So it's a whole like, it's an interesting thing. Like the first issue is pretty cool. Uh, I like that they're doing a deluxe version of the book that comes with a seven inch, um, like single album. Which has already gone back to second print because I guess they underestimated the popularity of the idea of that. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so I say watch for that guy. Uh, Death of Doctor Strange is awesome. I d- dig it. It's really good. Um, they're getting putting out next. I think it's actually next week. Not that that matters depending when you listen to this, but uh, they're doing the Batman Adventures Radio Special. That's an anthology book uh, with a bunch of comics done out of a batch of the radio shows. So I think that's going to be really cool, uh, just because it's a whole handful of different Batman stuff that's designed, you know, at you know as an anthology piece. So I think that'll be cool. And I think that's all I got this week, though. As far as books, I mean, there's lots of stuff, so that makes it rough. But uh, anything else? Forty-five? Nope. All right. Tiki? Nope. Never. Never.